We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're back on the Yin's No Ball podcast recording on a Tuesday afternoon. We're ready to talk about the Steelers defense now. If you missed yesterday's episode, Brad and I went in-depth about the Steelers offense, our thoughts on the first Matt Canada list performance in a long time for the Steelers, uh, what the impact of that was, what changed for the offense, Kenny Pickett's uh, performance and encouraging things we saw from it and some things that still need to be worked on, but mostly the positives. We went through pretty much each positional group and talked about Fryermuth and Deontay Johnson and whether he cares about winning or not and all that you know, like good fun stuff. And so you can find that on yesterday's podcast. Go back and, and check that one out, as I know many of you have already. Uh, reviews, ratings, uh, subscribers. If you hit that subscribe button for the podcast, it's free. It takes a second. It doesn't do anything to you, but helps us out a lot uh we appreciate those as always if you've been into the in snowball podcast so far those are always uh, awesome moves as well as sharing this podcast with loved ones friends and families that you believe would be interested as well that'd be awesome let's talk about this Steelers defense brad a 16 to 10 performance the browns or the bengals only touchdown in this game came uh, largely via way of a tipped ball that was caught by Jamar Chase and taken like 30 some yards uh down into close to the red area maybe just outside the red area I forget um, and that was kind of what set up the the touchdown in this game. Really nice play by Michael Walker, by the way, on that play. But reading out the play action, getting back and getting a hand up to tip that ball. Just a little unlucky with the results. Couple unlucky moments like that for the defense. A uh, couple lucky ones too, though. Looking at the tape, like there were some times where guys were open and Browning didn't pull the trigger, or the, the 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 pocket broke down, and so. Definitely a good Steelers performance. You have to readjust the bar probably when you recognize the fact that this offense isn't. Joe Burrow, Bengals offense, if you think about that scheme and that quarterback, there's probably not many offenses in the league more dependent on their quarterback to be the guy than that offense, I feel like. And Browning was decidedly not up to the task uh, in this matchup, which definitely made it easier for Pittsburgh. Yeah, it wasn't even the only tipped pass that Jamar Chase caught in the game, too. There was the Kazee should have been an interception uh, that hit him right in the hands. It was a nice jump on the ball, although Browning was also staring at Jamar Chase for three seconds straight uh, before <laughs> pulling the trigger. Um, I did actually want to, on that particular snap, though, uh, Larry Ogunjobi, who I thought had a great second half as I, as I watched finish up the film um, in particular, he uh, breaks inside on Alex Kappa, gets pressure up the middle, and I think it, it, in a way – impacted Browning's throw there or maybe helped him or made it so he couldn't see because he crashing, whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, that kind of fluky. And, and otherwise I thought a lot of guys had some nice plays um, throughout this game. 
Uh, Ogunjobi, let's just start with him because you mentioned his name. I thought he was awesome, and we haven't really talked about him much this season. Um, he's been, I think, fine most of the year. I know I don't think PFF has graded him super favorably. I I kind of agree. Like he's been kind of there's not been much to say about him this year. We've talked about the fact that he does better when he plays less snaps, and yeah, lo and behold, thirty snaps in this game. Yeah, and then the defense as a whole only played forty three, which is completely crazy. We I don't know if we mentioned that yesterday on the podcast, but that is just a ridiculously low amount of snaps. I think they've been in the 60s or 70s every other game this season. I'm I'm fairly certain. And so this was this was crazy to only play that little. So he still played a high percentage of the snaps, but only having to play 30 snaps. He seemed really fresh and he got two pressures in this game. He had a bunch of other nice moves up front. He did a good job in the run game as well. I thought he played his best game of the season in this one. Me too, because also there was the pass deflection at the line. I want to say it was third quarter, maybe, um, where uh, you know, I think it would have been a completion to Tanner Hudson or whoever it was out in the flat, and he reads it pretty well. I think was gonna, you know, was gonna obviously rush the passer, realizes what's happening. Uh, the, the offensive line is kind of clearly not fully engaging, and so he realized, I'm gonna take a step back and see if I can deflect this. Um, and does a good job, yeah. I, I think he stood out on this film, and yeah, it hasn't been bad. I, I just don't think he's made a lot of splash plays the last you know month or two. Yeah, there was another handoff to – it was actually very confusing what kind of play this was. It looked like a zone read at first, and then Browning's footwork was all kind of a mess, and it was really unclear what he was thinking or if he he was confused about which – was he reading the wrong play or not. It was just kind of a mess of a play. But uh, Ogan Joby kind of like moved two gaps and swam over a guard and got into the backfield uh, – or actually over over the right tackle it was, Jonah Williams, and got into the backfield, forced Mixon to bounce outside. He got tackled out there, just disrupted. He, he was just very disruptive throughout the entire game. Um, so really impressive performance by him. I thought the Steelers inside had their – like there was just no answer for the interior of the Steelers. Like they were just so much better than the Bengals up front in this game. Uh, obviously when it came to passing downs on the outside, like the both – Bengals tackle struggled at times there was wasn't like a I mean the Bengals had 43 snaps so it wasn't like they were just dropping back 50 times in this game or anything like that um and a lot of the throws there were some like pretty quick throws and not less to hold but as soon as there was any chance Watt Highsmith both great pass rush grades in this one from PFF but also uh tons of pressures in this game as well Watt I think had seven pressures on 27 pass rush snaps some of which he has no chance of being able to get home was doubled consistently had one play where he beats the tight end beats the tackle and then forces yes. the fumble it was just like oh my gosh like he just one-on-one two one two one v one wins in one rep to force a fumble uh and they're pretty quick too considering you get hit by two guys so he he was dominant in this game i felt like but also hayward's best game he continues to look more like him nor his normal self got a sack in this one um been dominant against the run the last two weeks i mean nobody can move him he's resetting the line of scrimmage he's getting off blocks and making stops they are just a different team right now. Life is sweet for Landon Roberts and Michael Walker because they are just able to read things out. They don't have to worry about blockers coming down on them and and, and blocking them without being touched at the line of scrimmage. They're they're having they're they're playing very well, but also the reads and everything is just so clean for them right now because of how it's being uh, basically how they're de- defeating blocks in front of them. Hundred percent. I think Benton had his best game where he played almost exclusively like zero tech and a lot of bare fronts, a lot of different looks, and yeah, just like there's not a lot of like muck to to kind of sort through if you're an off off ball backer playing for this team right now. I want to talk about the TJ Watt play because I actually think it was like, hey, he's just a freak. Um, you know the fact that he, like you said, the, the tackle le- or the tight end leaks, he sheds him. 
Well, I think he's learned. Uh, it's probably a product of getting chipped so often or doubled so often. If you go watch the tape again, he doesn't even take a step to set up the hand swipe of Jonah Williams. <clears throat> As he displaces the tight end, or tight end kind of just runs away, whatever. In the same motion, he then does the, the double hand swipe of the tackle. And it's almost like I felt like he was like weaponizing the chip against the offense. Or like I think Jonah was like kind of getting set and ready to punch, but was like waiting for Watt to kind of engage him. And Watt doesn't even like take a hesitation to like, okay, I just moved on from the tight end. Now I'm going to try to beat Jonah Williams. It's all in one step. Um, and then, yeah, just burns him around the edge. And, and, and yeah, he was, he was awesome. Heisman too. Uh, I mean, you've yeah. talked about him a ton, all the different bag he has. I think one thing that stuck out to me in this game, even on reps where his first step or his get off is not particularly strong, his second and third step are like extremely explosive and bursty. Um, and, and there were there was one rep I wrote down. I don't know if I put a timestamp on it, but he got a pressure, didn't get a sack or anything like that. But it was like he beat the tackle around the edge, and his first step get out. He was probably the last guy up on the line of scrimmage, but then the first guy, you know, beyond the line of scrimmage because he was just so explosive on his second and second and third step. And I saw that a couple times in this game. It's pretty crazy that Alex Highsmith, what I mean, this season he only has was it uh how many sacks does he have? Four and a half sacks. I mean, last year at 14 and a half, the year before at six, but he's been a better player this year. That just is a very strong indicator of how bad a stat, or I wouldn't say bad, but how uh unindicative a stat this can be, like sacks can be to how a edged player's performance actually is on the field. And same for an interior defensive lineman. Uh, their performance actually is on the field because Highsmith has absolutely been better than last year. I'm actually every game. I feel like I pretty much tweet like how close he is to getting a sack, like so many times throughout a game. And you got to think that over the next six games, like some things are going to break his way and he's going to have like a two or three sack game um, because just the law of averages with how often he wins as a pass rusher are going to go like even decidedly more in his favor. But I mean, you guys at PFF, but you know, last year was kind of like, Oh yeah, he gets this big contract. His pressure rates are fine, but they're not like elite, I think, like was kind of the story. He almost has as many pressures this year already as he had last year. Um, and then that's not even counting the win percentage. You know, everybody's scheming to just get the ball quickly against the Steelers. It seems like time to throw versus them is the last couple of weeks, at least, has been brutal. Um, and so that's part of the factor as well. So he's winning 1v1 more often. His pressure rate's higher this season. It's just been everything you want to see from a guy after you give him a big contract. Oh, by the way, also an awesome run defender who plays his tail off every play. There's a snap. He's on the backside of a run concept, and he's unblocked. And the run bounces all the way to the other perimeter on the opposite side of him, and he makes the tackle for like a gain of one yard, just working his way all the way across the field just on a full sprint. Um, so he just plays every snap like that. Everybody on the Steelers defensive line just plays so hard every single snap. Uh, it it is so funny called like they are just the unit that carries the team every single game. They set the tone. That's how they do things up front. And Hayward's a huge part of that, and has been a huge part of it culturally over there. Um, and the linebackers this year are really bought in. Whereas in the past, I don't think people have have seen that from the linebacker group. Man, it's crazy. Walker has stepped in, and he's not perfect. And I'm not sure what happened on the touchdown for the Bengals. I. I I know you guys gave it to Walker. I honestly can't say for sure. Like it, it seemed like a, a miscommunications. It, it may definitely have been Walker. Like I'm not totally positive 
who blew that one. Um, it didn't seem like they kind of knew. So it seemed like it stemmed from miscommunication. I know. Stop me if you've heard this before. Miscommunications on the Steelers defense. Uh, stuff one. Um, but I do think that that was kind of the root of it. But it made make a couple other really nice run fills in this game. Made a tackle on the flat and coverage. It was a really nice play. Um, he flies around. He hits people. He's physical. We talked about the batted ball. I just think in general, the Steelers front seven, even with the linebackers they've lost and Hayward losing a lot of time to injury, they're playing at a really high level. Now they just need some opportunities. Like right now, they're not anywhere close to where they normally are in the league in sacks. I think right now, like they're probably middle of the pack in the NFL, 28 sacks as a defense this season. We're almost always used to seeing them up at the top of the league and Hayward's absence. And the fact that he hasn't had much sack production is probably part of that, but you do think other than what, like it hasn't been like a big sack numbers for anybody that they get this year. And so you do wonder if some regression of the mean in a positive way is coming for them because they are a group that can get a lot of pressure. They just haven't had as many opportunities for sacks as they have in the past. And they're blitzing a lot, but they didn't blitz a lot in this game either, which I, I think could have gotten them some sacks, but I, obviously looking at the numbers, there's a reason they did that. Jake Browning was, was pretty bad when they didn't blitz. So I, there was yeah. the madness for sure. Yeah, I think I think it makes sense in this game plan. And I'll even go so far as to say I think sacks are a legitimately bad stat insofar as mm. what people take from them. Like it, they're a good stat. It's good to get a lot of them. If you are consistently winning, as, you know, as a pass rusher or just generating a lot of pressure, you are going to get more of them. But like you said, I think Alex Hyphen, and I wrote a whole article about his contract projection that I did exploring how the underlying metrics last year didn't love him. They were he was good, but not great and had this massive sack production. And it was basically like, hey, Pittsburgh, like, don't fall for the 14 and a half sacks or whatever that number was. He's he's a good player. He's not an elite player. And I think the contract is perfect. This year, I think he's a significantly better pass rusher. Like, he's always been the high effort guy, play every snap, great pursuit tackler against the running coverage, et cetera. Um, I, I mean, I did a whole thing. I, I bet his under... I think it was 10.75 sacks was the, the line this year, which still is in jeopardy. He easily I, he could still hit that number, and yeah. I do. Like I, he is winning far more consistently. But yeah, that is the big thing. Is I'll I'll actually look it up while we're talking. You know, the next segment. Like, what is the time to throw against their defense? It is lightning, lightning quick because teams know if you hold on to the ball more than two and a half seconds, odds are, especially now with a healthy Cam Hayward, someone's going to be in your face very quickly. Yeah, I would be curious to know what that time to throw, like compared to other teams in the league, because I know what it looks like to me, but you know that can be deceiving as well. Marcus Golden is actually third on the team in sacks this year, by the way, with three sacks, and then a bunch of players have two and one and a half and one, and so they've spread things out pretty well. But yeah, in this game, I mean, you think about what 27 dropbacks, 19 pressures. That doesn't mean, obviously, that all of those dropbacks were pressured in this game uh, necessarily, but multiple players could get a pressure on, on the same dropback. But just if you look at Browning in general in this game, uh, under pressure almost 30, over 34% of the time. And that was with the ball. Yeah, I mean, it depends on how he was throwing it because there were some plays where he actually scrambled in this game. And so that throws off the time to throw a little bit, like how you're waiting all of that and stuff. But when he was kept clean, he was getting the ball out extremely quick, which I guess makes sense because that would be before the pressure um can get there but i feel like in this game when you watched it was like every time they had an opportunity to get home there was something happening and so i think it was a good performance by the pass rush group um i definitely feel like they are it doesn't feel like they're blitzing as much recently and it doesn't feel like the blitzes are getting home as much as they have in the past which over the next six weeks i would love to be something that they work out because if they're going to continue to be i mean percentage wise they're still near the top of the league in blitzing 
Um, but they need to increase the effectiveness of those blitzes when they do them. In this game, they only blitzed on eight dropbacks. Um, so it's it was much less so than this game than in in uh, other games that they played uh, played in this season. The percentage was way down. So that will be interesting. Do they continue to lean into four now that Hayward's back and they have a very good four-man rush group? Um, or is this a team that needs to go d- deploy blitzes more? They have players that can do that for sure. It'd be really nice if Shannon Sullivan could tackle, but um, that would be the one thing I would say like that, that this team's got to figure out over defensively when they're front over the next couple weeks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So not a huge disparity. I mean, it is a full tenth of a second faster. The teams are throwing against them about 2.7 seconds on average. Uh, the average for the league is 2.8. I'm sure if I, you know, if maybe removed like some garbage time and other elements, maybe there'd be even more of a split between Pittsburgh and other. I mean, still a tenth of a second is not nothing, um, you know. So, so yeah, uh, what was it? Yeah, Chan Sullivan needs to tackle. I heard that last part as well. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dead to right sack. That was actually probably the biggest misses of the game was dead to right sack, and he, I don't know. I mean, noted elusive quarterback Jake Browning escaped his grasp and hit one of the bigger plays of the day for the Bengals and Watt had a late hit. It was a good call um, on Browning uh, after at the back end of that too. So did change things for a bit. And then the Brown, I don't think it ended up mattering obviously in the result, but yeah, it, it, in the, for the moment, it seemed like oh, Sullivan was basically the only defensive player I thought played poorly in this game. Like I didn't think he played very well across the board in this game. Everybody else I think was, was pretty good um, in my opinion. Um, 
throughout this game. I think um, you talked about the defensive line and how impactful they were. One other notable thing, just before we move on from the D-line, Armand Watts played nine snaps in this game. Isaiah Loudermilk played three, and DeMarvin Leal played three. So part of this was the um, – and by the way, Marcus Golden, four, Nick Herbig, three. Part of this was the 43 total snaps that they played. Um, but this was mostly a game where the starters were pretty much out there. Obviously, if this had been a – you know, there's been games that have been double this. This is about half the snaps they play in some game. Not, not a little, a little more than half, but this is about the, you know, you talk about basically about, yeah, half of a game, a little more than that um, of a game in, in terms of wear and tear and things like that. So the starters were able to be more fresh in this game. Um, and that was able to make a difference. I feel like in the way that Watt and Highsmith played, like they just didn't seem that worn down on the, in, in this game because of how, much they were able to I mean Watt played 39 snaps. <laughs> I I wonder when the last time he played 39 snaps in a game was I'm actually gonna look. Kai Smith played 40, but yeah, that's the kind of game it was for Pittsburgh that they were just able to do that that effectively. It's hilarious that in the game where the defense played probably their fewest snaps of the season, or at least in that conversation, this is the game where you get 20 Nick Herbig snaps and uh <laughs> like you get more of a rotation as opposed to when you know what was it Watt and Heisman played like 76 snaps apiece the other day. Uh, maybe that's when you you know mix guys in, but yeah, I mean Herbig had the the coverage sack where he he kind of dropped back into coverage and then you know just closed uh, on Browning, who I mean just shouldn't have taken the sack. But hey, you you can only sack the quarterback you're facing. I'm not going to hold that against Herbig, but um, yeah, a healthy rotation. Uh, like I said, Benton kind of a little bit less, I think, with now all the guys healthy, working in Lyle and Ogunjobi, and um, I guess Adams didn't play in this game, but still think he just made a difference. And, and I'm just like, every time I try to kind of poke a hole and notice, you know, I mentioned the, the, the nose tech versus the three tech stuff. I thought he was disruptive in this game from any alignment, but particularly on the interior in this game, I thought he was a total problem. There was a play, a run defense play. I think in the first drive of the game for the Cincinnati, where he actually takes his first step to the right. He's, he's shaded to the, the right shoulder of the center. So between the center and the right guard, he takes one step like across the face of the center but then the ball gets handed off the other direction. He tosses, uh, I think it was either Ted Karras or Alex Kappa, yep. and makes a tackle for like, what, no gain, maybe one yeah. yard? It was yeah. just like, it was just like, this guy's like strong as shit. <laughs> yeah, it is. And his movement, like just how quickly he changes directions. Like that is one of the biggest things with Benton to me. Like he can be knocked backward a step or take a step in the in an opposite direction and then reroute himself so quickly. Um, there was another screen. This guy chases down a screen almost every single game. Uh, the Bengals ran a screen a couple plays before the touchdown, actually, I think. They were in a screen down in the red area. He reads it. He swims the center, but reads right away. That was too easy and like pauses, sees the back break away from him, chases down the back. Somebody else hit the back as well, but he jumps on his back and rides him down like chases him down the field like it's just all effort all the time extremely physical very aggressive in how he plays um yeah it's just easy to be a big fan of the way Keanu Benton's playing I think like it's just uh he is looking like a home run pick so far for Pittsburgh one of his best run defense games in this one um just could not be moved the point of attack was tossing blockers aside the way he finds the ball through trash too there was one of the funniest plays of the game 
The Steelers basically beat every single dude on the Bengals the offensive line on this one rep. Jonah and Jonah Williams helped them beat you know, as he did as he does so often in the NFL. Um, but he moved the opposite direction. He's at right tackle. Everybody else is taking zone steps to the right. He takes zone step to the left. He knocks Alex Kappa over. <laughs> so then Benton is already controlling Ted Karras, the center. He throws Karras over Kappa. So Karras is laying on Kappa on the ground. <laughs> yeah. So two yeah. offensive linemen down, and Jonah Williams still doesn't know what the play is. So they're just lost. Meanwhile, Hayward's in the backfield already, beat his guy. And so it's just a complete mess. And then, uh, oh, yeah, Hayward ripped inside his guy, bounced the ball outside where Benton and Highsmith comes across the field and hits him. Watts in there beating a tight end, and he gets in. Like, it's just a complete mess. Like, the Bengals just had no prayer up front for these guys. Just way more physical, just way better technically. It was an ugly scene um, for Cincinnati in terms of the trench play in this one. Um, so good job by the defensive line. They continue to set that tone. And I've been really happy with how the depth guys have played. They didn't play much in this game, but I talked about that last week a lot. If you want to go back and listen to my assessment, of them, talked up Isaiah Loudermilk, who I think has been uh, really effective. Like I said, only three snaps in this one, but um, this was a, a, a starters heavy game. Landon Roberts continues to just be awesome. Like, I just don't know like what's gotten into this fool, but he is just outstanding right now, Brad, like just, plays in coverage, tackles in space. Like he's aggressive on the line of scrimmage. He reads things out is almost always in the right place. Uh, I love the, there was a fumble, the one that Watt forced. Jonah Williams scoops up the ball and looks up and Roberts was in coverage, saw the fumble, slipped as he was like coming out of his break to try and accelerate toward the ball. Kind of got his balance again and just runs straight through. And Jonah Williams like looks at him as like, oh, I'm going to run somebody over. And Roberts just, what I love about him most, I said that last week too, I think, he never stops his feet. He just runs right through everything that he hits. Like yes. you'd think big offensive lineman, he's going to find a way to like knock the ball out or try and pull him down. Nope. He just runs right through Jonah Williams legs and shelves him for a huge loss. And he's just, he's, he is the exact type of player that this defense needs behind a defensive line. That's this good is somebody who's not going to sit back and get washed out at the second level, but is going to come downhill, going to make plays, going to fly around, be physical, be the hammer. Like that's what he's going to be. Um, so I just think he's been a great sign and great fit. Uh, he's been a decent player other places, but never a valued player uh, really that many other places in, in New England for a stretch perhaps. But um, Pittsburgh, I think, has found at least part of the answer here. And even early in the year, they didn't want to play him on every snap. And I know there's going to be limitations and there will be some games where people are like, oh boy, a team found a way to attack him and they're just doing a perfect job of attacking his limitations. I get it. But I also watch linebacker player on the NFL, Brad. And there's just not many guys who can even do one thing consistently really well. So the fact that he can do, you know, 75% of his job really well, I know the other 25% is really important and certain matchups are going to exploit that, but that is just the case with almost every linebacker in the league right now. There are just so few Fred Warner types that can do that kind of stuff. And so when you find a guy who can do what Roberts can do, I just think you need to value that a lot more than teams probably do. And I think maybe the change for him, because it's funny too, like just one stat, and, and I've talked about this, like coverage grades for off-ball backers, probably not the greatest thing we do. He has a, His coverage oh. grade is 20 points higher than any of a season of his entire NFL career. Um, on top of everything else being like really good, I think this past game was the best game of his season. I think we've had multiple games graded higher, um, but it was like an 80 this week. I think he's had some 81s, 82s. I thought it was his best game as a Steeler um, in this game in particular. The thing with the coverage and the deficiencies athletically, and I think what he's been able to do to overcome it, because there are freak athletes that still are not very good in that facet. I think he just knows where to be. And so it's just like, be there early, be committed to it. Like you said, like when he does crash downhill, there's no hesitation. There's no getting washed out of the play. He's literally a heat seeking missile. Um, 
and knows that even if he doesn't make the play, he'll spring somebody else or, or clear a gap for someone else to crash it, for the safeties to come down, the corners to come down on the, on the edge, whatever. But, yeah, no, he's he's playing awesome, awesome football. Um, and, uh, yeah, in particular, I'm glad the coverage stuff lines up because it, it, like, you know, they're probably protecting him to a degree. Like, I think there were a couple third downs where, you know, either it was just spot dropping or like just doing very, like kind of more simple assignments you'd give an off-ball backer. But, I mean, still, he's he's executing what he's being asked to do, and that's all you can really ask of him. Yeah, I mean, and there are there are man coverage reps in here. A lot of the time, these yeah. teams have just had their back going to the flat, and so it's yeah, not the hardest coverage assignment. Eventually, a team is going to start sending running backs vertical, and he was matched up with tight ends, and they stayed in to protect a bunch of times where he was matched into with with tight ends, and like so, yeah, he can add on, or he can you know sit underneath in coverage. Like, there's just, he's kind of like yeah, it's fallen into place for him a little bit in in those ways in terms of the assignments and coverage. Like, I don't think that grade what you know wherever that ranks among linebackers probably probably pretty good for you guys uh, amongst linebackers is necessarily indicative of the fact that he's this all world stopper now, like in coverage. And I think you guys would say that as well, but I do think that 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 what he's been asked to do, he's just been really, really good at this season. And when he then teams have not taken in full advantage like they can of some of what his limitations are. And it was a couple of weeks ago, the Packers, they're always a team that will try like with their running backs, they will use running back verticals. They will try to create those mismatches with their running backs. And they they did get him on a play. I know for sure. Um, uh, and but he Musgrave, chose, right. Yeah. What's that? The Musgrave play? The Musgrave play, yeah. I'm thinking of also the Aaron Jones, just the matchup like out of the backfield. They got him on one, and I forget the route now, but it might have been a wheel. But he was able to catch Jones from behind and save a would-be touchdown. And Jones, you know, I'd say I talked about the pod game, like dapped him up a little bit and gave respect for catching him. I don't think Jones expected that. But I, I do think that, like, even within his limitations, like he has done everything he possibly can this season. So you got to be thrilled about that sign. You got to be thrilled with the fact that you get Walker off the street and playing at a high level like this. I mean, I know that these other guys are going to come in and probably challenge, but I'm not sure that I'm down with that. Like, I really would want to, like, Miles Jack, he was not as good as Walker has been the last two games. Last time he's here, part of it's his health. His body is just not the same. Like, I don't know if I want to go down that road. So I hope those guys are just like breaking case of emergency. Because I am not, I would rather roll with these two the way they're playing right now. And I, I, you know, Walker could, could absolutely have like a terrible game at any point. Like there's a reason why he's probably in the position that he's in, but just right now, the way he's playing, the intensity he's playing with the speed that he brings to the field, I would not mind having him over there. I just don't think Jack and Martinez are good fits next to a Landon Roberts. They're more of the same type of this point for Jack. I mean, there was a time where Jack would have been a great fit. I don't know that that's the case anymore. And so that's, that's where I get a little hesitant about those two stepping into the lineup. I, I would rather roll with Walker personally. I would agree with you there. Yeah. Jack in theory in the past could have been that guy. Not really though. Honestly, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I always kind of felt like he was better as more of just like a sideline to sideline run defender, not a bad coverage player, but his um, career is one of the weirder. And there, yeah, that is for sure. Bizarre yeah. career. And also it really he, is. You watched his college tape. And just feel like he never got used how in college, like he could literally play slot corner in college. It was, like, it was yes. crazy to watch. Him in college. And, yes. And anyway, we're getting off on the tangent. No, hundred percent. No, 110%. <laughs> it wasn't really what he was in Jacksonville that I remember. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's also, I, I do think it's probably more so just like, Hey, look, if someone gets hurt, like we're already using our like reserve reserves. So let's just, you know, the emergency call contact list, a guy that we, we gave too much money to, uh, you know, the past, the, the last time around, Let's just make sure he knows that we're uh, we're looking for his services if, if necessary. Right. No, it makes sense to me. I mean, uh, I, I don't mind bringing those guys in, like I said, and 
the only other linebacker to play in this game other than those two, they took, I think they took um, Walker off the field on a few plays. Roberts played every snap. Um, Walker came off the field a couple times for a dime looks late in the game. I think they had Sullivan and Wallace out there together for a couple. And then Darius Rush was the main guy to come in. And then Killebrew played one snap defensively as a linebacker. But um, yeah, I think that more than anything, they're just saying we're going to be so ferocious up front. They all just going to have to figure that out. And so there is some of this way the Steelers have played the last couple of weeks defensively. Pat Pete's coverage numbers recently in the, in for the Steelers, KZ, uh, Robert, some of this is teams are not finding ways to beat them that they should, or quarterbacks are not beating them right. when it's there to, to be had. Um, I don't say that to be discouraging to people. Like, I think this is good defense. I think they have a great front. I think they've done a great job against the run this season. There's lots of things to be excited about, especially after the early portion of the season. Um, there's, there's things to be excited about with this group for sure. I like it helps to play Will Levis and Jake Browning and Dorian Thompson Robinson. Like then those things are really advantageous for your defense um, and your defensive numbers across the board, your coverage numbers. Like when they face good quarterbacks, it's been a pretty massive struggle this season. And so I fully expect that to continue. However, if you look at who they have next to play, depending on your opinion of Kyler Murray and, and uh, how he's been this season so far, they've got, Cardinals, the Patriots, who are going to be probably on Bailey Zappi, I would guess. We'll see where they're at at that knows. point. Malik Cunningham, John Ledyard, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Colts, Colts, Gardner, Mitchell, backup quarterback, although a good one. Uh, Browning again for the Bengals, probably, or whoever else they put in there. So three of their next four games will be against backups, and the other one will be against uh, quarterback, who is, I'm sure, still shaking off the rust in a pretty messy situation in Arizona right now. So obviously finish the season with Geno Smith and Lamar Jackson. Those will be their challenges. We've talked a lot about the Steelers success against Lamar Jackson, but we might not find out until the playoffs. I think eventually there will be a reckoning for some of this. Like they just don't have great athleticism or talent in their secondary and their back seven. That almost always does matter at some point, but right now there's no doubt. We even just, we turn our attention to Patrick Peterson. Like he has played better over the last couple of weeks. I still don't like the signing. I still don't think it was a good move. He's also the best option that they have right now. And so, the fact that he's even just holding water is is about all you can ask at this point because Porter's playing well. We'll talk about that matchup in a little bit, but I do think that you're getting about as all you can out of this secondary right now, given the limitations of a guy like Peterson and KZ. This is probably as good a football as you could expect them to realistically play what they've done the last couple of weeks. Sure. Yeah, Peterson had a nice pass breakup, like crashed on a play, like a, there's a slot on the left side, made a good play in the ball. And just otherwise, I think was in the right spot, and, and and you know just not making coverage, you know, uh, like blown assignment stuff like that. But yeah, like there is going to come a time where this gets exposed. But you hope, I guess, in theory, that's against an opponent that doesn't have the greatest offensive line, um, you know, and you can kind of take advantage from that standpoint. But yes, right now they are getting some solid quarterback matchups. You can only beat who you're playing. Uh, and they still didn't beat Doreen Thompson Robinson. So, <laughs> yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but there's a lot of Chiefs Steelers first round of the playoffs talk, like as they're, you know, and obviously the Steelers would get killed, I think. But the Chiefs have had their foibles lately. And I would be very curious Donovan Smith against Alex Highsmith, just on paper, having studied those two players almost every snap of the last four or five for Highsmith's career and for Smith's the last, you know, half of his career for sure. That is a matchup in hell because Smith can get beaten on inside moves. He is not a very technical player, and Highsmith is a very technical player. 
And I just, I could see that matchup being very rough against City. And Juwan Taylor, we'll see. I don't know. I, I don't trust the Chiefs tackles. And so I just, I don't think all aspects of that matchup are like terrible for Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs not having great wide receivers kind of lends itself. Obviously, when you play Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey, it's going to suck. But other than that, like anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves, Brad. I'm, I'm we'll not, talk about that matchup when we get there. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. the aggregators are going to go crazy with this content. Yeah. Let's just break um, down a hypothetical Chiefs Steelers matchup. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> what do you think of the play of, of Trent Thompson so far? I think it's been really interesting. Yeah. Interesting is probably a good word. I thought he had some nice snaps in this game. I don't know if I wrote anything down. I, I should pull it up, but like he's been solid. Um, I, what what do you think? I'll, I'll try to kind of jog the memory about particular yeah. plays, but what, what do you, what do you think? think about it just all around good play so far you know that's the thing with me that that i've been impressed with like they haven't really tried to make it super easy for him he's played in you know there hasn't been like a million single high snaps for him but he's played some single high he's played in two high safeties he's rolled down and played the run in the box he's played in the slot like they haven't just slapped him in a roll like you know kirby joseph in detroit they're just like you're free safety like just you know play this role don't get beat over the top he hasn't done that well but anyway that's kind of what I'm saying about that with Thompson is like, they really have just been like, Hey, you're just going to step into this role. And like, we trust you do a lot of different things. I just love the ball skills like that. We've saw him drop a pick last week, this week, he almost makes a diving interception off a tipped ball. And then he does get an interception that's zone coverage, but aggressively moving toward your guy, trying to jump around, right? Not just sitting in grass and rallying to tackle, but trying to make plays I love that mentality. I'm always talking about that, like that. I just think covering grass is so frustrating and kind of pointless a lot of time. It's amazing how often people do it and they just settle um, for a death by a thousand cuts in the NFL. And I know it's hard to do for an offense. I get why teams do it, but I love the fact that he's aggressive, the plays the way that he does jumping routes um, and making plays on the football. I've been really impressed with that. Last week in the red area, I talked about his man coverage against Njoku, um, kind of in like a just soloed up type of look, and he was able to play the back shoulder. I think Njoku technically dropped a really good throw by DTR, but he really made it hard. He had his hand in there, kind of um, making the catch difficult. So there was a play, uh, actually it was on the touchdown. Thompson gets got beat and could have been the ball could have been thrown into the end zone too. He just got a little bit over aggressive in his footwork and the route broke in, in a way he wasn't expecting. And um receivers, his guy was open in the end zone as well. And the, on the play of the Browns, he threw shorter and that guy ran to the end zone as well. So uh, that was problematic. I would say like a little bit, but again, those things are going to happen. We're talking about a guy who's barely played in the NFL overall, like the large body of work. And I know you guys rated him really high. And I think people are probably going to get real excited about that, which I, they should. I mean, you, you guys gave him a 90 great overall. He had a great tackle. Great. He made some awesome stops in space. There was one play um, trying to remember who it was. Um, somebody gets something happened up front and in, in front of him. Uh, and uh, I forget who it was. Somebody got, Oh, it was uh Herbig. Herbig got knocked off balance by a block, got thrown to the ground basically by the left tackle. And so the huge wide gap opened up when that happened. Um, and um, he, he goes flying into that gap and takes out Mixon after a gain of like two yards. And it was just like, this is a really good instinctive heads up, confident play from a guy who's barely played ball. So I don't know how you could be anything less than like super enthused by what he's done so far. Uh, he gave up, uh, one catch on two targets for five yards in this game. 
is just limited yak with great tackling. He's come downhill. He's played the flats. Well, he's played the run. Well, like he's tackled, like he, he just seems like a really good find. He and Walker right now, are the two guys that just have come out of nowhere and stabilize things for the Stevens. Yeah. It helps to be playing offenses that aren't that good right now, but look, you weren't even supposed to be in the league and you're playing well. So I've been impressed with him. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I, I, I'll be honest. I at first forgot he was the one with the pick on the, like the quick out the screen yeah. Jamar chase that you're talking about, which was a great play. I think it was like a cover three look if I remember correctly. And Joey Porter, I wasn't, it was like a bail technique, but Joey Porter obviously drops into his zone. Um, and it, there was it was two receivers. Jamar was the the outside guy, and there was a guy in the slot. And I think it would have been understandable if Thompson kind of ran like back a little bit as more of a all right. I'm going to make the tackle if I have to get in front of Jamar Chase and get in space. And instead, he runs. It's flat. It's right across the line, the line he's on and picks it off. Yeah, I agree with you. It was like an aggressive play because I also think in his mind he could have said like I can't leave Joey hanging out to dry. With the slot receiver running a you know corner out by and he's by himself in the zone, um, and if I don't make this pick and let's say I overshoot it, then Joey has to come up and make a, a tackle in space on Jamar Chase one on one with literally no help on that ins- entire half of the field. Um, it was it was an aggressive play. I'll be honest, I, I don't know if I wrote anything else down, but I'm looking at it now. He had zero negatively graded snaps in this game out of 50 total snaps played. So. Um, that's, you know, quibble with how the whole thing works with like, you know, if that should be a 90, there weren't a ton of positives either, but zero negatively graded snaps out of 50 is, is good to see. Yeah. For a guy who's barely played like that's, it, it is, yeah. he's, he's definitely played very well this season. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, so that's been encouraging. I mentioned the play KZ. I yeah, jumped around, he, he dropped the pick. I think he did he have two pass breakups in this game. I want to say, uh, yeah, another one in the yeah. second quarter. It was, you, yeah. You guys gave him one out. I don't know if the dry, you guys grade those things, but he had, yeah, he had one on a pass, uh, it was an underneath pass. And then he had the drop pick as well. So yeah. I guess kind of two, but yeah, he, um, he, I think he's played this best ball. Like it's been overall really good. And then you get to Porter, and this was an interesting game, probably the toughest matchup for him so far. I, I think Jamar Chase is one of the best wide receiver prospects to come out and one of the best wide receivers in the league. I, it doesn't feel like people often put him in that conversation with, with I mean, maybe they do, but in too many circles, they put him in the conversation with the top tier one guys. To me, he's easily tier one. And you can make an argument for him being wide receiver one. There's just nothing he doesn't do at an elite level, in my opinion. Um, this was just a really tough matchup. Like they move him around. That makes it difficult because you got two way goes when he's in the slot. Um, there was a play early in the game that he Porter actually had good coverage. They threw a flag on it. I, I didn't really think it was a flag worthy play. Chase made the catch anyway in the middle of the field. It was awesome. You know, Porter's right in his hip pocket. Chase makes a tough catch over his head. Um, the catch down the sidelines, Porter's all over him and just kind of couldn't find the ball a little bit. It kind of came in right over his head and couldn't really find the ball to make a play on it. Chase makes an unbelievable catch there, tight window. Like they were competing like crazy. Um, Porter, I thought was one of the, actually the Steelers' better defensive calls in that third and short. Um, comes he's lined up like he's in a press position, bails out like he's about to play man coverage on Chase down the field. Safety flies over to get Chase. Porter goes out of that pedal kind of and out of that bail and attacks a flat, broke up a pass for I forget who the player was for the Bengals. It was Tyler Boyd. That was the slant flat, yeah. right? To the left that side. Was, yeah. That was a great play. Yeah, that was, awesome. that was that I thought it was yeah, yeah. Right. And so I think that in general, like he just like there's just all, so much aptitude with him already that I'm blown away by. Um, honestly, like that the fact that that looks like a hit to the degree that it does, the assignments they're trusting him with. 
Chase's two of his best plays were off those tip balls. It wasn't like he beat Porter on those plays. Now there were plays on tape. I mentioned the uh, there was a I don't know if it was the Watts sack or I think it was the Watts sack maybe play where Chase actually knocks uh, Porter down. I, it's hard to tell from the all twenty two high shot if he like pushes him or if Chase if Hart, Porter just loses balance trying to break with Chase. I think that's what happened. Um, and so like there were some plays where Chase got him and the ball didn't go his way too. But Porter competed like crazy. Um, he was by no means toast in that matchup. And what I said, like probably one of the hardest matchups you're going to have. Um, so he just continues to play at a really high level and doesn't seem overwhelmed or outclassed in any of these. Like even if you talk about two of the catches Chase had on him, he's right there for plays. Um, there's things that can improve technically. Still think his run defense can improve and his tackling a little bit can improve. Um, no missed tackles in this game, which was good. Uh, but overall, you have to just be thrilled like the way he and Benton are playing like as potential future cornerstones of this defense or even current cornerstones I mean screw it like let's just be honest they are yeah Um, that's just really exciting for Steeler fans I think yeah I think this is as tough as a matchup like you said I I agree with everything you said I echo all the sentiments I think he's a clear-cut number one receiver um and the size speed combo that he brings to the table like we've talked about like where Porter can maybe fall short, maybe why he fell outside the first round, like lateral agility a little bit. Is he too grabby, too handsy? And like Chase will run through you as much as he also will just try to shake you at the line. I agree. The penalty when he was in the, was, was when he was in the slot, right? And then he ran like, just like a simple crosser over the middle, yep. a bit ticky tack. Like you said, it kind of didn't matter. And then yeah, the goal ball on the right sideline. That's just good offense beating good defense. That's just an elite player making an elite play. Um, Porter's in, like you said, in his hip pocket. Maybe you could quabble with, like, you know, he should have I got his head around a little bit earlier. I think I do remember on that snap. I don't even know if he knew the ball was there until the ball was there. But he's matching stride for stride with Jamar Chase. Like, it's, you know, there's only so much you can ask you to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the most exciting things, that it doesn't seem like you could think there's anything you have to take off the table for Porter. Like, yeah. he can play in man, he can play in zone. And I think there's going to be some issues in man like that need cleaned up. The technique stuff we're talking about, we talked a little bit about the grabbiness, um, some of the footwork. You know, he can be a little bit clunky at times, um, but the compete and the athleticism and the length just ate him so much in man. Like he's so aggressive and physical. Um, and since we had that conversation about Legarius Sneed, it's like, oh, I think about I just him in a steel uniform next year. <laughs> like I just keep thinking, like a lot of teams wouldn't let him go, but I wonder if the Chiefs will. If they're paying Chris Jones and they're thinking about paying McDuffie, and I just wonder if they're gonna. And so, like I definitely think about that a lot. They need to go get wide out. They need to go get some things. Like I wonder if there's just space for him. And the Steelers got all this cap space. Like could be, you know, they could be wanting to make a great offer. He's their type. Play. Anyway, I think about that potential fit, but I also just think about. I think they're pretty similar players. Like if 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 this is for real. And you can right. also play Porter in the slot. Snead is better against the run, I think. But yep. also we've seen you know Snead more in the NFL. But just how physical and aggressive they are, they can both get penalized. Sometimes they'll have a rep where it looks ugly, both of them. Uh, but they're going to compete every single snap. They've got short memories. They're big, they're long, they're fast, they're aggressive. Um, they can play press, they can play zone, they can play outside, they can play inside. Um, that's what it looks like so far. And they can play zone or man, and, and there's no issues with them uh, so far in that regard this season. I mean, Porter's numbers in man coverage where he's played 36% of the time are good this season. Um, and his numbers in zone are even better this season. Um, so he's just, we've seen a large sample size of him against top quality guys in man coverage in zone coverage. And it's been overwhelmingly more good than bad so far. So yeah, the sample size is still small, but this is about the time where you, I think, start getting pretty optimistic about what a player like this could be 
just because it doesn't feel like there's a lot that comes off the table with him. It doesn't feel like, oh, if this changes or that changes, he'll get exposed because now we've kind of seen him in a lot of those lights. Tier, top tier quarterbacks, yeah, that's going to be another challenge. Like how much would that have changed if Burrow played in this game? Yeah, that it could have been a factor as well um, in this game, no doubt. Uh, but the NFL is full of bad quarterbacks, so you can make a good career doing what he's doing yeah. already. No, and I think the thing for me, and it popped up in this game, and I guess there is a Browning element to it, but I think early on in the season, there were good results at the catch point, which of course is great, but I think we can fall for that sometimes. And you say, okay, well, why is he getting targeted so often? Not that he was getting targeted a ton, but, and now I think it's like, he's not being thrown at because he's just is in, you know, in phase the receiver and a quarterback is realizing like, I don't want to target this guy. So it's both preventing targets from happening, period. And if you do get targeted making plays on the football, you know, or at least, just, you know, being in position to get a, a quick wrap up tackle. Um, yeah. So it's kind of all the above the last need point. Why I love it. I just, I guess we, I don't know if we've seen Joy Porter blitz the quarterback this season. No, tell me if I'm wrong, but like the nickel blitz and like even corner blitz outside from the Legereus Sneed, uh, he's as good as it gets in the NFL. I think right now, like he's not like Devin Witherspoon, but like he's amazing uh, blitzing the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I mean, every Chiefs TV is because Fags is the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. I said it, and I won't back down from it. I truly believe it. Um, yeah, Joey Porter, zero pass rushes so far this season. And so, yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> yeah, it's been, been really, really good. Um, he continues to play at a really high level. And the other thing, by the way, about the penalties, I know some people are going to say, oh, he's so grabby. So I get it. I would way rather have, to me, there are degrees to penalties. And yeah, he's got, I think he's got nine this season. I think four have been accepted or i forget exactly what the um but anyway he i feel like he has typically in those situations some of those calls are bogus by the way um i also feel like this is not like i don't know if any if i'm trying to think off the top of my head i don't know if any have been like a play where he's just beating he grabs a guy or something right. like that like right he's in the hip pocket he's just a little too aggressive like he's doing all the right things anyway he, and i also don't know how many have been like egregious like he's hanging on to a guy throughout the whole rap or anything like that he just needs to pick and choose his spots and when he's going to get hands on and get hands off at a certain point down the field. Like that's really the biggest thing. Like to me, it doesn't look like he's just getting like, like zigzagged all over the place and just having to grab on to guys to keep his feet or anything like that. When that happens, I mean, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, they're getting cooked. Like that's really what it is. But to me, he's just been a little bit too anxious. I think a little bit too aggressive and that can be dialed back, I believe. Um, so I, I'm not really even that worried about the penalties to me. Like as a rookie, like yeah, if it's his third year, I'll be worried. But right now, I'm not that worried about that. The, the biggest thing is just going to be that there's no letdown this week. Kyler Murray, Patrick Peterson's already yeah. talking trash. And so I don't know whether that's going to contribute or not. Um, but he seems to be uh, already you know, kind of, oh, he can't win for the pocket. I know what kind of quarterback he is. I played there with him. Like, okay, we'll see how that goes. Like, I don't know why this guy – Honestly, he feels the need to do this to himself. Like he's truly an unreal dude. Uh, but uh, you know, Wiley veteran, you know, you hope that he would learn a few things, but I guess not in that regard. So we'll see if that plays into the matchup at all. But we will uh jump back on here uh probably on Thursday and talk about the matchup between Pittsburgh and Arizona and what we think of uh that, you know, where Pittsburgh should improve. What is Arizona? Two and nine, two and ten. It's two and ten. Two and ten. Okay. It's it's pretty ugly. Um, so I, you know, we'll talk about whether that should could be um, obviously avoiding a letdown game, and this one's going to be absolutely massive. Um, the Cardinals at this point should be all out trying to go for one of the highest picks they can. I mean, they need 
talent on that roster like crazy. Uh, they don't. They have their first round pick, don't they? I'm pretty sure. Carolina? Oh, Arizona. Arizona. They have their own and Houston's. And Houston's. That's right. So they need. They and Houston's doesn't look like it's going to be super high. I know. I know. Um, it's going to be. They thought. I thought it was going to be like a locked top ten, and it'll be top twenty. But yeah, their own will be. You know, they could add Marvin Harrison or something like that. So they could be a exactly, immediate impact yeah. player. Yeah. Right. It's it's a huge for them to continue to lose games. To be honest, in my opinion, because. A lot of the teams are going to with all the quarterback injuries of some of these bottom feeder teams. Like, you know, they do not want to have like a mini resurgence under Kyler here. I know. Um, so we'll, but that's not going to play in the players' mentalities, I'm sure, in this game. So we'll talk about all of that on Thursday. We'll do our players' draft, et cetera, et cetera. So, as always, appreciate y'all listening uh, to our breakdown of the Steelers' defense from their 16 to 10 victory over the Bengals in week 12. We'll be back later in the week to talk about the Cardinals. Until then, appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Talk to y'all soon.